Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg. This is Martina Navratilova. I'm Mats Wilander. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. And you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Hello and welcome to The Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph. And we have Catherine Whitaker and Charlie Eccleshare here. And just because we've just doorstepped him, Todd Woodbridge, famous Australian doubles player of many, many years, Wimbledon doubles champion, how many times? 186, I how reckon. How many? How many times? At least six. At least. I say six. Nine. Nine? Yeah. I told you at least six, didn't I? It was nine. Todd Woodbridge, just very quickly, uh, it's been a frustrating old day here at the tennis, hasn't it? But Nick Kyrgios today, that was a big win for him, wasn't it? Because I was commentating on his match for Five Live, two sets to one down, mind going all over the place, and he dialed himself back in. Yeah, he did really well. I think that's one of the best mental performances I've seen from him. Coming up against uh, Dustin Brown is hard at any time. And, and there were momentum swings in that match all over the place. I mean, the quickest sets I've ever seen. I mean, it's a five-set match what done in under two hours. And, but what, what I thought out of Nick was that he had a little bit of a moment where he, he lost it emotionally, but he pulled himself back. And when he came out in uh, that last portion of the match after the rain delay where he had break point, it was controlled, it was focused, and it was determined. He did everything you had to do in that situation. That was the most mature-looking Kyrgios that we've seen. It's not about great play. It was about getting the result done. And um, I, I was really impressed with that. It was quite interesting seeing him being the straight-laced yeah. one on the court. Yeah, yeah, indeed. I mean, some of the shots that Dustin Brown hit were just ridiculous. I mean, why you would be playing backspinning drop shots at the moments that he did begs the question but that's what makes him interesting to watch but it also I think in the end was a bit of his undoing because coming out and trying to play that at such a crucial time the rain delay is really tough uh, in in anyone's language Uh, final question Todd because we're going to let you go Um, Andy Murray could be a fourth round opponent for Nick Kyrgios do you think that'll happen how do you think Nick would get get on with that yeah I do think that'll happen um I still think Murray goes into that as a heavy favourite. We'd love in Australia to see a big victory like that. I don't think Murray will be you know, liking that draw, that's for sure. But I do think that um, he's just that little bit too experienced at the moment. And that, that idea of being able to blow somebody away that Nick likes to do, he can't do that yet. Andy Murray. Um, Murray's my pick for the tournament too. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit torn between the two. Fascinating. Lovely to speak to you, Todd. Thanks, Dave.
Great to have you here with us here on the Tennis Podcast. We're standing outside the press room, and basically that's what we try to do here on the Tennis Podcast, is just doorstep people, interrupt the day, and give them absolutely no choice other than to speak to you listening to this show. We've got Charlie Eccleshow, we've got Catherine Whitaker. We are recording this, I'd say, at about 7.15 in the evening. Uh, as Todd was saying there, Catherine, it was a two-hour and five-minute five-set match between Dustin Brown and Nick Kyrgios, I sat in the commentary box for seven and a half hours because we had so much rain. It's been a funny old day. But, as I mean, now we're looking up into the sky. It's beautiful blue sky. We must have 28 matches going on at the same time still. Novak Djokovic is in action on court one. We've got Serena Williams in big trouble against Christina McHale. We haven't even got Dan Evans and Roger Federer onto the court yet, and it's 20 past seven in the evening. I don't know where it's going to end. What we are doing here, though, is having a little chat while all this is going on to review the day so far, and then we'll get a bit more at the end of play. But, Catherine, your impressions of the day. Well, my impressions are that Todd Woodbridge is never going to come over and say hello to me again (laughs) if he he feels like he's going to get roped into an inadvertent appearance on the tennis podcast. Uh, He loves it. Wasn't he good, though? That was really... I mean, people don't usually volunteer predictions without being pressed into it. uh, He knows what this show's all about. He does, he does. He was great. Um, Yeah, I mean, I watched a lot of that match. It reminded me of uh, of seeing Henri Leconte and Mansoul Barami on court together, which is, you know, they completely cancel one another another out and frankly hate it because they want to be the star of the show each of them and can't bear to see you know somebody else stealing the limelight and it absolutely felt like that I mean there were a couple of toys out the pram moments for Nick Kyrgios when Dustin Brown was pulling off his audacious shots I mean he hit a tweener drop shot at the net it was just I mean the look on Kyrgios's face it wasn't actually caught on camera but I feel like I can imagine what the look on his face must have been I hit one of those ones Catherine (laughs) was it by accident I ended up in hospital Uh, Charlie Eccleshare is here with us Charlie I've just seen you penning an article that that, that you you insisted you had to press send on before we spoke to you here on the tennis podcast which I granted Uh, what was that all about uh, that was piece on Juan Martín del Potro. Um, oh, so what a story that was yeah, today. So I was, I mean, firstly with the timings, I felt pretty lucky because I was on centre court with the roof on and actually watching a match that was going on while nothing else was really happening. And it was amazing. I mean, the quality wasn't great, but, you know, it felt almost like a Marcus Willis-style underdog story. I mean, del Potro really plumbed the depths you know his, he went outside the world's top thousand he played 14 matches in two years he looked completely finished and admitted to obviously being in a dark place and thinking about retirement so seeing him come back on the centre court beating Stan Wawrinka in four sets it was really amazing yeah it was it was quite emotional actually Catherine we've we've spoken about Juan Martin earlier this year on the tennis podcast but I, I think I tweeted just in that four set watching him do this after all he's been through, makes your heart sing. It really does. I've rarely known such momentous goodwill for one single player as as what we experienced here today for Juan Martín del Potro. I think the story is all the more emotional because of that backhand, because we all know and he knows that he will never be the player that he once was, and he's trying to do this anyway. He's trying to figure out, well, how good can I be as the new Juan Martín del Potro? I mean, how devastating it must have felt for presumably at some point somebody told him you will never properly really be able to hit that two-handed topspin backhand you'll have to mostly resort to the slice and you'll have to figure out a new way of of playing tennis and a new way to make the most of your game and I I think 
Yeah, there was a lot of focus on that backhand. Apparently he's only hit one backhand winner in two matches, but how extraordinary is that that he's won two matches and one of them was against the fourth seed? You know, how many forehand winners must he have hit? It's, it's fantastic stuff. And actually, um, I don't know if this is the point that, that you're wanting to make, Charlie, but actually with that slice backhand I mean grass is potentially his most favoured surface now because the grass takes that slice so well and because he's adapting his game to it so well I think you know potentially draw permitting I, I think he could easily make the quarters here make the quarters here it is an amazing opportunity now for somebody Charlie in that section of the draw I listed the players that were in there you've got people like Burdick and, and Del Potro who have been to, to Grand Slam finals before but you've also got Alexander Zverev who we've talked about earlier in, in the week and uh, there's suddenly this Stan Wawrinka sized hole in the draw that somebody's going to come through the, the scheduled opponent would be Murray in the semi-finals, but it could be somebody really unlikely getting through. Yeah, Bernard Tomic is also in that quarter, and he, he's playing well and reached the um, quarters, I think it was at Queen's, um, looks a lot more focused. And, and it's funny, actually, because that one backhand winner that Del Potro's hit was a complete scuffed shot that double bounced. <laughs> Just to put into context you know, how, how difficult that shot is for him to play. And actually, Del Potro made that same point, that the slice does work a lot better on the grass because it's staying low. And Vavrinka really struggled to do a lot with it. It was coming in with no pace, just dropping on the ground, and he was having to play up, and that then played into Del Potro's hands. So, we've asked you at Tennis Podcast who you think is going to come through that section of the draw. Abby says Zverev or Del Potro, though Burdick remains a huge threat on the grass. I mean, you could make an argument for so many of them, couldn't you? FJM, Foxy J. Mike on Twitter says Tomic is going to come through. Ali says, I want to see Del Potro or Zverev come through. It will be Burdick, though. I'm not sure. I'm not sure whether... Burdick is in the right place, the right frame of mind to go all that way. I don't know about you, Catherine. I, 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 think, it, I think it could be a guy like Zverev. Yeah, I have to say, if we do see the fourth round of Burdick-Zverev, which pretty much looks on the cards, I would probably just tips Zverev in that one I think he looks on a man a man on a mission I think he has the potential to do what team did in Paris and be be the breakout star of this tournament and and especially I actually thought that at the beginning uh, we had Jonathan Overend predicting it as well a couple of shows ago and and now that the draw is opening up I see that as all the more likely and and yes El Potro's played fantastically today yes it's an opportunity for him too but wow a quarter-final at Wimbledon for Alex Verov, potentially against Juan Martín del Potro. I know we're getting ahead of ourselves, but what an opportunity for a 19-year-old. We've just had victory for Serena Williams over Christina McHale. 6-4 in the third set, 2 hours and 29 minutes. I mean, she was being pushed to the limit. So just before we came on air, I saw one lung-busting rally. It must have been 30-odd shots long, which McHale won. She has been playing really well of late. That is a big win for Serena Williams as she tries to win. The, I mean, it's getting harder, isn't it, to try to win this 22nd Grand Slam title and match Steffi? Definitely. It was, it was eerily familiar, actually, because I remember exactly the first Friday last year standing with you guys talking about Heather Watson coming so close to beating Serena Williams in the third round. And today, Mikhail had the break up in the third uh, and looked like she might do it. But again, Serena found a way. And obviously now with Muguruza being out, my tip for the title, um, 
What was that? <laughs> yeah, within 24 hours uh, of, of my prediction, she yeah, exactly. She'd lost to a player outside the world's top 100. So uh, yeah, you don't fit in around here until you are part of the rubbish predictions group, and uh, Charlie has uh, has entered that group. Uh, so yeah, Serena Williams still around, and still, even despite that big scare, the favourite for the title. Uh, unquestionably, unquestionably, possibly, possibly more so. I mean, look how it strengthened her resolve as if it needed strengthening here last year. What happened against Heather Watson? Uh, yeah, you, you saw the fighting Serena come out. You saw the don't make me angry Serena. And she is the most dangerous form of Serena, isn't she? So, yeah, if anything, I think this strengthens her status as the favourite for this title. Straightforward win today for Joe Wilfred Songer. We've had another Frenchman, Lucas Puil, go through over Donald Young. Burdick, we talked about, was a straight sets winner. John Isner won 7-6-7-6-7-6 against uh, Barton of, uh, of Australia. I've actually just watched the final tiebreak of that, and Barton was 5-3 up. He served for that third set, and the celebration from Isner upon victory there. I think probably celebration as much as anything just to get the match finished tonight uh, because he has been one of the players, possibly the player that has suffered the most uh, due to this poor weather we've had this week. Yeah, he was he was pumped to get through that one. Just let me share a couple more memories from the uh, the Kyrgios-Brown match today because I, I, I'm still trying to digest what I saw in 30 plus years of watching tennis I've never seen anything like it on, on a match court you mentioned Mansoor Brahmi maybe the closest thing I've ever seen were, was, was a match involving Yannick Noah more than 20 years ago when, when he used to do the same thing sort of just ham it up so what if it's a competitive match let's just have fun and um, that is the feel we had out there we had them hitting trick shots in the warm-up laughing with each other we had uh, uh, one moment uh, when they went into the fifth set the players started laughing together about how funny it was that they'd, that they'd only played an hour and 40 minutes for four and a bit sets we we saw that Dustin Brown got a bit hungry at one point so Nick Kyrgios threw him an energy bar we had uh, uh, at one point where Dustin Brown hit a fault and uh, it was called out and Nick Kyrgios said you want to challenge that mate he challenged it it was eight feet out and I mean this is and this is beside the the point of the the shot making I mean the, there was the dive volley on the backhand side that you mentioned that landed six inches over the net and then spun back into the net from from Dustin Brown for a clean winner they and, and there were a couple of occasions where they were rather than hitting topspin forehands they were hitting those sort of flat slapped forehands designed to hurt somebody going straight at the body and trying to win a point by hitting somebody on the fly. Both of them were trying to do that on a number of occasions. It was just so much fun. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello Tennis Podcast listeners, David here. Now you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. It's really bizarre because Dustin Brown uh, brings, I don't think he's a full-time coach, but brings occasionally onto his team Craig O'Shaughnessy, who's working with the Live at Wimbledon team. He's a sort of statistical analyst in tennis. And, and when I say statistical, I mean that, you know, his, his, the whole, everything about his approach to tennis is based on statistics and being methodical and percentage play. The precise opposite <laughs> of everything that Dustin Brown exudes on a tennis court. And he was he was up in our studio for the uh, for the final set, the final instalment of that match post post rain delay and uh, he said he's basically not doing anything that we discussed prior to the match he's not instigating any of the tactics we discussed together he's just uh, he, he just can't help himself he's just doing what comes naturally to him quite an interesting body language difference between the two even though they're both shot makers charlie you could see how dustin brown was trying to whip the crowd up get them on his side be the good guy nick curios kind of gets people energized and you can't take your eyes off him but he he just gets into this frame of mind where where he hates everything and he hates himself and he has to just get that out of his system before he can carry on i mean there were there were a few games where he wasn't giving everything he got because he because he just couldn't handle it and he had to get it out of his system yeah i mean they're, they're similar in that they're both unusual and sort of maverick like in the way they play but they're very different personalities as you say dustin's very exuberant very popular with the crowd seemingly very positive nick nick Kyrgios's attitude is more often than not very negative you know he, he gets it himself he gets at the crowd he gets at the ball boys he gets at anyone who'll listen so there was quite an interesting contrast between those two. Between them, they average out to about an average sort of... <laughs> just a normal match. Yeah, exactly. They're just on complete opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of their attitude. It's, it's like he needs and wants to feel like everything is against him. You want to take him aside and say, Nick, we're all rooting for you. Like, tennis wants you to succeed. No one's against you. The, the, I think it's why Andy Murray feels such a kinship with him. You know, Andy Murray's autobiography published, you know, at the age of 20 or something was called Hitting Back. You know, hitting Back at what, Andy? We all really like you and want you to succeed. Indeed, but 
Well, I still like Nick Kyrgios. I think he's great. I can't take my eyes off the bloke. He's awesome. I tell you what, let's just finish off by seeing what's happening between, I can't see the score just at the moment, between Novak Djokovic and uh, Sam Querrey. The reason I bring that up is they were in the f- first set and it was five games all when I last looked. And the reason I'm interested in it is because it just reminds me a little bit of a year ago, you know, when um, Novak Djokovic was up against Kevin Anderson on that exact same court. Big guy, big hitter, maybe a little limited, but somebody w- with a big game. And here we are with Djokovic 6-5 ahead, but Query about to take it into a tiebreak. Going to be interesting, isn't it? See how that one evolves. Yeah, that match, again, that really took me by surprise because normally Djokovic is so good at neutralising those powerful serves. But if anyone is going to spring a surprise on Djokovic, you feel it is going to be someone who will just blast him off the court. Vavrinka, last year, French Open style. Query's definitely got a big enough game to do that. I expect Djokovic will come through, but yeah, it could be could be interesting. He's got a lot of power. I personally don't think he has enough unless Djokovic is short of his best, just because I think that Query's game is not sufficiently complete. He has a big serve, a very big forehand. I don't think he has enough other weapons in his game. But I didn't think that Kevin Anderson did either. But for two sets last year, certainly Djokovic was short of his best, and that makes him vulnerable. It's going to be interesting, isn't it? Catherine, Charlie, lovely to have you with us here on the Tennis Podcast, as always. And uh, we're going to just have a little settle down now. Watch the next couple of hours with fascination, with interest, because it's one of those classic nights here at Wimbledon where the sun is shining, the light is going to start falling, but we've got matches everywhere and we've still got lots more to catch up on. We'll be back to talk to you and sum all that up very, very soon. Well, it's now a few hours later and in fact, play has finished for the day and I'm happy to say, having watched Novak Djokovic struggle and gone two sets to love down. We are joined today by Mr. Philip Studd once more from BBC Radio 5 Live. And Phil, you were in a privileged position whilst that extraordinary match was going on and Sam Querrey was mounting a two set to love lead. Just explain where you were. I think that was the most remarkable 72 minutes of tennis that I've actually witnessed close up because coming into the match, you had to feel that Djokovic was a red-hot favourite. He played Sam Querrey nine times before. He'd won eight of them. He'd only lost five sets in those nine matches. And Querrey has not been pulling up trees of late, particularly in Grand Slam events. In fact, this is the first time since 2014 that he's won back-to-back matches in a Grand Slam. And yet Querrey's serving was absolutely remarkable. He only lost four points on his serve in the first set which he eventually took on a tie-break and could have won more easily. He had four break points against the Djokovic serve. Djokovic wasn't getting anywhere near a break point on the query serve. And bear in mind that Djokovic is arguably the best ever returner. He wasn't getting close. Query had a few rocky moments in the tie-break, should have been 6-2 up, four straight set points, missed an easy forehand, but somehow... He got over the line in that set, and I think it really phased Djokovic. He couldn't believe he was behind. And in the second set, he was all at sea. He just looked like a man ill at ease, not sure where he was, and Query comprehensively outplayed him. And 6-1 in the second set against the three-times champion, defending champion, runaway world number one. It was scarcely believable, and yet 
I saw it with my own two eyes. And you saw it from that incredible position just a few feet away. You're court level, aren't you? In the corner of the court. You're basically standing behind a line judge where you are. And what could you see? Well, the first thing to say about that is that there's something that sanitizes tennis when you're from a cozy position high up, square onto the court, as we are, David, at the US Open at Flushing Meadows. And don't get me wrong, it's a bird's eye view. But when you're at ground level, just a few feet away from the gladiators, you realize first and foremost how hard they hit this ball. I mean, it's grievous bodily harm with a capital GBH. And it is eye-watering just how fast, how brutal, how uncompromising the action is. But watching Djokovic, particularly in the second set, after the first, you know, was tight, it was a tie-break, just go into meltdown while Sam Quarry just grew in confidence. And up close, looking at him, he looked like a man perplexed. He looked like a man all at sea. And how often do we say that against this ultra-resilient, almost machine-like player who has absolutely bestrode men's tennis like a colossus in recent times, often looking thoroughly unbeatable and almost always digging himself out of a predicament if he finds himself in one, which is very rare. But I just wonder whether the weather gods have come to Novak Djokovic's aid because I tell you, if they'd stayed out there after that second set, I think Sam Querrey would have gone on to win. I think Djokovic had nothing left. But now, completely different scenario, new day, new match. Would you bet against Djokovic from two sets down? I'm not so sure you would. I would still go Djokovic because the mind goes back to Kevin Anderson a year ago. He was two sets to love down. We, we, we mentioned that a little bit earlier in the show. A little bit different because he managed to get himself back level before they came off for bad light on that occasion. This time, he is going to start two sets to love down. But Boris Becker will have a word. He will regather himself. He'll remind himself. He perhaps Maybe he'll watch some of those Grand Slam finals that he's managed to fight out against Andy Murray uh, twice this year. He's going to come out a new man on Saturday. You said it yourself. I'm going Djokovic still. What are you saying? Ordinarily, I would agree with you, David, but I just wonder how much that monumental achievement at Roland Garros in completing the career Grand Slam and becoming only the eighth player so to do has taken out of Novak Djokovic. As machine-like as he often appears, let's not forget this guy is a human being. You know, he's made of flesh and blood and bone like the rest of us. You sure? He's not completely impervious to the possibility of a loss, you know? And who knows? Maybe it's taken more out of Novak than even he realises. Certainly today, he looked a shadow of the player that we've seen in the last couple of years. He did not look like the runaway world number one. And Quarry looked good, huh? Well, that's the thing. For me, it's about Sam Quarry more than it is about Novak Djokovic on the resumption. Does Quarry believe he can finish the job? Because it's one thing getting two sets up against the best player in the world by far. It's another thing finishing the job. Had they continued this evening, had they finished the match without the rain interruption, I firmly believe, given what I'd seen, that Quarry would have won. It's going to be much harder for him to win now, but it comes down to whether he believes it. If he can serve the way he did in the first two sets of this match, I believe he will win. We know now that that match will be the first on court number one tomorrow when they resume on Saturday. 
massive order of play uh, rescheduling job that has had to be done by the Wimbledon organisers. We now know that we're going to be coming back for middle Sunday here at Wimbledon and that's going to mean that tickets are available online. We'll have one of those fantastic atmospheres to enjoy. Roger Federer is already through. He defeated Dan Evans. Evans played pretty well but he was outclassed ultimately. If, Phil, you are right and that Novak Djokovic does bow out tomorrow halfway through this tournament. What does that mean for Roger Federer? Well, the tournament is just blown wide open. I mean, we know how unbelievably well Federer played last year, even by his own exemplary standards. You know, the performance he put in to get to the final, demolishing Andy Murray in the semis. Arguably his greatest ever performance. And this is a man who's won the title seven times. Extraordinary. So a great opportunity for Federer. But what about Milos Raonic? the guy with the giant serve and the wingspan, the width of Wimbledon. You know, he could definitely go all the way. He's proved at Queen's when he very nearly beat Murray that he has the game. And he's got one of the all-time greats in John McEnroe in his corner. What about Andy Murray? What an opportunity for him, the second favourite. If Djokovic goes out, a third grand slam in the palm of his hand, if he plays as he can. Who knows what's going to happen? But going back to Djokovic, I was rewinded to 2001 when I saw the heavens open when Quarry hit that ace for a two sets to love lead Hemman against Ivan Izovic semi-final in 01 Hemman was all over Ivan Izovic like a rash and we know what happened when the gods of the weather intervened Ivan Izovic goes on to regroup beat Hemman beat Rafter in the final is Djokovic going to do likewise having been saved by the rain and go on to win a third title in a row and a fourth in all. It is fascinating, isn't it? We're going to get this middle Sunday, as I mentioned, the first one for 12 years. I remember the one they had in 91 after what was basically a an ocean engulfed the entirety of Wimbledon that year. Then in 1997, that incredible 14-12 final set victory for Tim Hemman over Paul Harhouse. I, I don't think I can remember a better atmosphere. Maybe that 0-1 Wimbledon final with Goran and Rafter, but it, it, it's going to be special, isn't it, to have middle Sunday again. We've got matches tomorrow on centre court with Simona Halep starting off, then Andy Murray against John Milman on centre with Mraonic after that. Kyrgios is on court one, but there are matches, Phil, everywhere. We just need some decent plumbing weather. The agony of choice as a result of this inclement weather. Will we ever get a British summer? Who knows? But my goodness, there are silver linings to the clouds, aren't they? As you say, we've got a fantastic weekend ahead of us. You know, wherever you look, the tennis is top of the range. And, you know, they suggest, although we hold our breath as we say this, that the second week is going to be far nicer. So what a climax we have to this tournament. These are strange times we're living in, David, and I don't think we can count anything in or out at this juncture. We can't. Philip Studd from BBC Radio 5 Live here with us on the Tennis Podcast. Lovely as always to have you with us, Phil. Lovely for you all to join us and listen to this show every day. We'll be back tomorrow to find out how Djokovic got on, to find out how everybody else gets on. We'll speak to you soon. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 